0: Hello and welcome to Road to the Garden. It's Matt St. Jean here back with Tommy Godin for the 10th day of Big Eastness to talk about the Villanova Wildcats. Tommy, back from the health and safety protocols. How are you feeling over there?
1: I have cleared the health and safety protocols. I want to give a huge shout out to all of our writers who stepped in uh, when I went down <laughs> with that bout of COVID. They did a great job uh, co-hosting with you. But yeah, I am back. I'm Feeling a hundred percent better and I'm good to go. Excited for Big East, miss.
0: Glad to hear it. And shout out to uh to Chris and George for stepping up for the UConn and Creighton previews. Those are available in your podcast feed wherever you're listening to this. So go back and give those a listen. We're looking at last year's second place finisher in the Big East in the regular season, Villanova. But Many would argue the best team in the Big East a season ago finished the year top 10 in Ken Palm, went on a Final Four run, ended up losing to the eventual national champion in Kansas. There were three Big East teams that ended their season against Kansas in March Madness. One of them we're going to be talking about tomorrow on here. Villanova also won the Big East tournament over Creighton. That was the third team that lost to Kansas. 23-7 record for the season, 16 and 4 in conference play. and Really no bad losses during the season. The worst loss they had was the home one to Marquette. Everything out and this was just a really solid team. The best free throw team in college basketball history last year. So really, really impressive stuff from, stuff from Villanova. They are losing the Big East Player of the Year in Colin Gillespie, uh, Jermaine Samuels, Brian Antoine, and most importantly, Jay Wright. The man, the myth, the legend, the suit on the sidelines is gone. He'll be the suit in the broadcast booth from here on out, or so it would seem. Um, they got some guys coming in, though. Cam Whitmore, the East Freshman of the Year, Mark Armstrong, Brendan Housen, and the guys returning to Caleb Daniels, Brendan Slater, Eric Dixon, all guys who have real minutes for this team and who are good players, all veterans. Starting lineup right now, according to the Almanac. Mark Armstrong, Caleb Daniels, Cam Whitmore, Brandon Slater, and Eric Dixon. That is not going to be the starting lineup. Game one, Cam Whitmore out with an injury, and Justin Moore is going to be back for this team at some point, potentially returning from an Achilles injury. What are your first thoughts when you look at this roster, Tommy?
1: I'm really excited. I'm really excited looking at this roster. I mean, I talked about it a little bit in a couple of my uh, previews here, but this could be one of the deepest teams Villanova has fielded in years, especially at the guard position. You know, Everyone talks about uh, Cam Whitmore coming in as a small forward, but Mark Armstrong kind of getting slept on a little bit is not one you want to sleep on. He is an outstanding uh, incoming freshman from New Jersey. He was on the same FIBA U18 team that won the, the gold medal this summer. And let's not forget about Brendan Housen as well. I mean, he's got in the gym range. Um, Villanova, generally thin at guard traditionally, is is very deep this year, which bodes well for Kyle Neptune in his first year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I pointed this out in my League Preview Power Rankings article that is coming out on Friday, so we get that then. But one of the things that jumps out to me about this Villanova team is that there are, I believe if I'm counting it right, six underclassmen who were four stars when they came in, four stars or better. You've got obviously Mark Armstrong, Cam Whitmore and Brendan Housen this year, but you've also got Jordan Longino, Trey Patterson and Nana Njoku who also played that. That's, I mean, that's just a crazy amount of talent. Even if that's a 50% hit rate on those guys, that's three like big East, all conference honors type caliber talents that you're going to have come out of that. And, I mean, that's just a crazy amount of talent to work with as a as a first year Nova head coach, second year college basketball head coach.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you want to talk about hype trains. You better get on the Jordan Longino hype train while you still have the chance. I mean, every single person in the basketball media world is writing about this kid as a per, uh, potential breakout. John Rothstein, I know he has him and his his top 25 players to watch for a break <clears throat> for a breakout season. Excuse me but Jordan Longino hype train. I I talked to a lot of these guys at Villanova media day at big East media day. I asked them if one player is going to have a breakout year, who's it going to be? And the unanimous answer was Jordan Longino. He's put a lot of work in over the summer. He's transformed his body. He looks good. He looks really good going into this year. And I, I, you better hop on the train now because it's leaving the station soon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A lot of hype for him. That's that's to be sure. What do you make of the three guys coming back, the three big names, and Caleb Daniels, Brandon Slater, and Eric Dixon? Surely with a new head coach and lots of young talent coming in, you're going to need those guys to be a stabilizing force as you transition this program.
1: Surely. I think Brandon Slater was one of, if not the biggest snubs off of the Big East preseason teams, first team, second team. He didn't even get an honorable mention. Cam Whitmore got an honorable mention, but Brandon Slater didn't. Um, At the end of the year, I think that's going to be looking a whole lot different. Brandon Slater is probably the vocal leader of this team. Everything I've seen over the summer in the workouts, everything like that. Brandon Slater is going to be an integral piece to this team. Moving forward, Caleb Daniels. I mean, Kyle Neptune could not ask for anything better than Caleb Daniels coming in his first year. Caleb has the talent. Caleb has the leadership abilities. I talked to Caleb. He told me he worked on being a leader over the summer. I mean, you'll talk to guys and say, I worked on playmaking, dribbling, ball handling. Caleb Daniels said, I worked on being a leader. <clears throat> so that's just one thing that, that is invaluable for Kyle Neptune in his first year coming in. Then you have Eric Dixon, who has also made great strides with his body, looking a whole lot more muscular, a whole lot more fit this year. He actually led the team in three-point shooting percentage last year. I think if he brings that into his game a little bit more, um, brings Biggs out of the paint, really stretch the floor, he could be an integral part to this team. I think that there are three big men in this conference that are locked in to the top three spots for big men in this conference. I think it's Kalkbrenner, Sunogo, and Dixon. And I think Dixon has a real shot to establish himself as not two or three this upcoming year,
0: yeah, I think Nunji is also in that conversation. Sure. Yeah, Dixon, sure. and he's always been an interesting player to me because he's a six foot eight center in the Big East, and that's not something you would typically expect. But his ability to step out and be a threat uh, from the outside—he only attempted thirty-five threes last year, but he hit seventeen of them. So if he's able to bump those numbers up a little bit, then—and heck, I mean—if you can keep that same efficiency, just more attempts, then that's going to be huge for this Villanova offense as they await um, Cam Whitmore coming back from a thumb injury and then Justin Moore. Whenever it is he comes back from that Achilles injury, what do you expect from the two of them?
1: Justin Moore, I think if he comes back even 50% of the player that he was when he got injured, I think that's still one of the premier guards in the Big East. I expect. Did you ask when do I expect him back? I'm sorry, the mic cut out for a sec.
0: (laughs) Uh, I was what you expect, but when is a good question here because I think the timeline's very much up in the air.
1: Yeah, and Villanova's Fort Knox. When it comes to that kind of information, I mean they're they're not going to put a specific date on it. I think if he could come back within the first week or two of Big East play, that would be realistic. I think it would be optimistic to think that he will be back before then. But Justin Moore is, I mean. I believe that this could be controversial, but I think Villanova was a Justin Moore away from knocking off Kansas in that final four. I mean, he's our best perimeter defender. If you remember that game, they, they got hot. They got hot early from beyond the arc and Justin Moore goes out. He defends every team's best player every night. I think we were a Justin Moore away from advancing to the national championship game, a little rematch of 2016.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a fair point right there about Moore. Obviously, with the Achilles injury, you never really know exactly what you're going to get. But I still think whenever he does come back, kind of the worst case is he's your sixth man, and Caleb Daniels is able to run the offense, and Justin Moore can give you some minutes. And maybe the, the defense and the athleticism won't be there at quite as high of a level, but the shooting and the playmaking on offense should probably still be there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You never really lose that, but... Justin, I know he's going to attack this rehab just like he would attack practice the night before the game. Um, he, he He's a warrior. He's dealt with <clears throat> significant injuries before in his career. He tore his ACL in Damatha in high school. He knows what it takes to come back stronger. And I don't think he's rushing anything. I think they're not going to bring him back until he's 100%. And when he is, this Villanova team is going to be dangerous.
0: Yeah, I know we, bro, we'll we talk about where we put them in our preseason rankings. I know for the site, Creighton ended up getting the number one spot. I was one of the three guys that had Villanova in my top spot, kind of for the reasons you mentioned, just the sheer amount of talent on this roster. They got, they got basically twice the number of top recruits that <laughs> Creighton has. I mean, we're talking about three guys at Creighton who are rising underclassmen who well, you're, you're asking to do a lot. And Nova's guys, are, they, have not, they haven't had that same experience. So that's a fair criticism. But they also got six guys of that same tier of recruiting ranking. And if half of them hit, then they have the same number of guys out there than Grayton does. That's why I really like what they could do. And that's even without whatever Justin Moore is going to give them. I think Dixon's good. I think Slater really came along at the end of last year. And Caleb Daniels, I think, is a mixed bag at certain points. I don't know if he's in the top half of point guards in the Big East, but he's certainly in the, in solidly in whatever that middle class is. He's not a bad guard, and he's going to get a lot of help around him.
1: No, certainly not. In fact, he's my pick for Big East player of the year. I mean, we'll wow, detail that. that. He is. He really is. I was the one vote. <laughs> <laughs> where where one did you vote. have Villanova in your preseason rankings? I had him at number one. I had them at number one. I mean, this is a Final Four team last year, losing – I mean, key pieces, Colin Gillespie, Jermaine Samuels, of course. Anytime you lose back-to-back Big East Player of the Year, it's going to hurt. Possibly their biggest loss, Hall of Fame head coach Jay Wright. I mean, there's obviously going to be a step down, and that's not a knock on Kyle Neptune at all. But anytime you lose a Hall of Fame coach, obviously there's going to be a bit of adjustment. But why I think Villanova still can finish first in the conference this year they didn't go and get Kyle Neptune up off the street. They didn't go to some random college out in a mid-major or out West. I mean, Kyle Neptune was here for eight years. He knows he recruited most of these guys that have come in that are on the team right now. He knows the system. I mean, he knows what spots he can go get lunch at. He knows where his office is. He, he knows the it's faculty administration. There. he's extremely comfortable there. He knows the Villanova, the the what you gotta do to buy in. He knows the attitude, the culture. I I really think Kyle Neptune's just gonna be a, a Jay Wright Jr. esque
0: kind of guy. Yeah, and I and I think it's fair to have questions about just how good Neptune's gonna be. It's hard I mean, Neptune sure. can be a good coach and never come close to what Jay Wright did. With just sure. the expectations they're gonna be so sky high. Um but we have seen some truly bad coaches win with talent from predecessors. Even when you look at what Kevin Ollie did in his first year at UConn, taking some of Coach Calhoun's guys and putting things together. And obviously they, they had a hot run there. But I think this is a more talented Villanova team than that UConn group was. I think Kyle Neptune has shown a lot. They clearly trust him, which I think is big. What do you think is the, just the biggest question for this season for Villanova? Is it the head coaching spot?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it has to be. I think it's how much of a drop-off are you going to get from Jay Wright to Kyle Neptune? Personally, I don't think it's going to be much. Talking to a lot of the guys, they don't think it's going to be much. Everything they say stylistically is staying the same. The culture is still intact. Um, But anytime, I said this before, anytime you lose a Hall of Fame head coach, there's going to be a drop-off. It's about managing that drop-off, how far they drop off. And frankly, I don't think it'll be as
0: far as uh, many people think. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think my biggest question is is just going to be, does this? it's kind of two parts. The first overarching thing is, how does this team develop? And the second part is, do they have a guy? Because you're losing Colin Gillespie last year, and I'm still haunted by that first game at the dunk. When he was just able to get some stuff late and create some stuff. And he was just a guy like you knew he was going to make plays. He does. He just, he wouldn't, he was just not going to make mistakes and can't like, obviously you believe Caleb Daniels can be that guy. We'll actually have to see it happen. Justin Moore, I think can be that guy. We'll have to see if he can do it. You're losing Colin Gillespie. He's a really, really, really good player. That's hard to replace. This can be a better team talent wise, but one that might also make more mistakes because you might not get that same production out of the guard position at the point guard, that same running of the offense. So we'll see if they're able to do that. If they're able to replicate that and all of this talent is able to develop into the guys that can actually play well, then this is, this is a very, very good Villanova team on paper. I know we're trying to keep these around the 20 minute mark. So we're looking at three games for each team to highlight. Um, So we'll try to get through these quickly. I can go first on this one because mine are right in a row at the start of the season. Yeah, hit it. Yeah, my three games here for Villanova, it's just the first three Fridays. The first Friday of the season, they go to Temple. It's the only road game in week one in the Big East. It's the only game against a top 100 Ken Palm opponent in week one of the Big East. And there's going to be no Cam Whitmore in this one. This is a this is Kyle Neptune's first real test. I want to see how he handles it. This game is one Villanova should win, but it's losable. If they go out there and they're not ready for this, this is a very losable game. So you actually have to go and play well on that one. The next Friday at Michigan State, tough environment. Always a good program. One that looks to be up on the, the upswing this year, if you ask me. That's just going to be a really tough game to win. So another one of those big tests early. And then Villanova's Playing in the Phil Knight invitational. And the Friday of that one is what kind of stands out to me here. They get Iowa State in the first round. They should win that one. They'll be favored. And if they do, the opponent they should get on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, would be North Carolina. And that would be one heck of a game. So those first three Fridays, they're gonna give you, they're gonna tell you a lot about where Villanova is. If they don't get UNC in that game, they're going to end up getting Portland, which I don't think would be as big of a test. Um, I'll also note uh we mentioned on the Yukon one, Villanova can get UConn in the Phil Knight Invitational. They could also get Michigan State again, they could play Michigan State twice in eight days. So really, really weird schedule schedule stuff for Villanova in that tournament.
1: Yeah, really wacky. But how cool is that Phil Knight invitational? I mean, that field is stacked.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be watching that all Thanksgiving weekend. Oh my gosh,
1: I can't wait. But yeah, I also had the Phil Knight invitation, obviously. Um, You really hit the nail on the head covering that. Uh, Iowa State Sweet 16 team last year, that's going to be a really fun game to watch. I don't think that if they win, I don't think that they'll be playing Portland and Villanova-UNC anytime that they meet up this special. So Moving on, um, one game that I want to talk about very early in the season, not really a game that is going to be competitive. Villanova will win this game. I will go on the record really reaching out on a limb here. (laughs) But on November 14th, the second Monday of the season, they play host to Delaware State University. And you can count on your hand, just one hand, the number of teams that are below them in the Ken Palm rankings to begin the year in the preseason Delaware state's not a great team right now, but what you're going to see, hopefully is Kyle Neptune, empty the clip. He is going to put in everybody. You're going to see who you're going to, what you got. If you can't stay competitive or compete with a, with a Delaware state, you're probably not going to be in the rotation come big East time, big conference play. So that's my first game. That'll be a fun game, and, that, to watch and that's the for the
0: that's for the bottom of the rotation, guys. Your depth should be able to oh, beat yeah. up on Delaware State.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're talking about the Colin Tools of the world here. We're not talking about the Nana and Joku's or Trey Pattersons. They should start that game, frankly. But move, <laughs> moving on, <laughs> um, we're going to talk about a game in late February, February twenty fifth. Creighton is coming here, well, coming to the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. That game is going to be electric. Creighton's the the consensus pick for, for preseason number one in the big east. I mean, they're the guys, right? They got Baylor Shireman, they got Kalk Brenner. I mean, they're 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 Francisco the Francisco Farabello. Wow. Dude, there's so many cool names in the Big East this year. We got to make an all we're names right. list.
0: We might have and to do now, that.
1: I know we're running short on time, but Creighton coming into the Wells Fargo Center. You know why that game's important. It's late in the year. It's Villanova. It's Creighton. It's going to be electric.
0: Yeah, that's going to be something else. Uh, Two very quick notes on that Delaware State game, because this is hilarious to me. Delaware State is 362 out of 363 teams in D1. That's way too many teams. 363 D1 teams. What are we doing? Uh, (laughs) The other thing, Ken Palm gives win probabilities. They usually just round it to the nearest number. They can't do that <laughs> with this one because if they did, it would round to a hundred percent. Ken Palm gives Villanova a 99.96% chance of winning <laughs> this game. You have to go to the hundredths place. And even then it still rounds all the way up. So yeah, really uh, really special stuff that we'll, we'll learn a lot about how good the depth on this team is and, if guys have developed one final question here we'll make it quick on the way out you guys know what's coming if you've been listening tommy in the 2022-2023 college basketball season what does success look like for the villanova wildcats
1: villanova the pedigree of the program is is second to none i think i mean we talked about it all all 12 days of big east Miss so far that you, what you want is to look better in the beginning of the season than you did in the end, and of course, while that still rains, think you have that though, the wrong way around, Tommy. Did I say it the wrong way around? Yeah, you it's did. COVID coming back, messing with my head. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, you, you get the point. I said it too many times. I, I don't think that. Well, I mean, while that still rains true for Villanova, I, I think that there needs to be some expectation set on them. I think, I think uh, a Big East winning a two games in the big East tournament. Very doable. I think being a a second weekend team in the NCAA tournament is very doable. I mean, we don't really know what this Villanova team is going to look like, right? I mean that this team could flop. They could be out of contention in the big East halfway through the conference schedule. We don't know. I don't expect that to happen, but I, I think being a higher seed, um, In the Big East tournament, maybe not one through four, but maybe five through eight would be a reasonable expectation and win a game or two in the NCAA tournament, compete for a Big East tournament championship, compete for the Big East championship. I think that's what a successful season would look like.
0: Yeah, I agree. If I had to sum it up in two words, that's no drop off. Be a contender. You don't have to win the Big East. But when you get late in the season. Uh, This team plays Providence, Xavier, Creighton, Seton Hall, UConn for the last five games. When you get to that stretch, you have to have a chance at winning, a real chance at winning the regular season title. I think you get that Creighton game that you mentioned. That game could be for the regular season title. So you got to be kind of in that conversation at that point. The game at Providence falls into that. That game at home against UConn, the game at, at Xavier. These are all the teams that are at the top of the conference right now in the preseason rankings. So you got to go into that last stretch with a chance and in at least the same tier, if not higher, than all those teams.
1: Couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us with Villanova. Check out Tommy's piece, his companion piece on the website, a little written preview for you on Villanova. Check out our past stuff in the podcast feed. Make sure you're subscribed so you're getting all of this. We're going to have Providence tomorrow. It'll be our last team preview. And then on Friday, we're going to have a league preview for you. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Follow us on Twitter at Road to the Garden. And as always, thank you for listening.